Welcome to the Flower Hour Podcast, the podcast where conversations blossom. It is your boy, Sean Flores. If you love this podcast and you've really enjoyed it, please share, subscribe and follow and look forward to the journey we will be going on. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hello everyone, you're joined for Flower Hour episode 19. I'm still shocked that I've made it through to 19 episodes. Today, I'm going to be having on a very special guest in an Olympian. Um, we're going to be talking about her journey in athletics and um, so much more. So let's... I've got to be able to introduce. <laughs> Hope everyone's had a good day as well, actually. I keep forgetting. How are you doing, Micah? Hey, I'm good, thank you. How are you? I, I'm good. I'm, I, had a, I had a tough gym session, so I'm a little bit sore, but I've had good food, so I'm not complaining. Feeling strong. <laughs> Absolutely. How, how are you doing? How's your day been? Oh, it's been okay, thank you. I had work, and then, similarly to you, I did a little bit of a session. So I just finished my athletic season okay. um, on the weekend. So essentially, I can have three weeks off. Okay. But um, I find that really hard. So I just did like a little something just to keep flowing and going. And yeah. So are you not going to take your three weeks off at all? Um, maybe if I kind of feel like I would like a rest, then I don't feel like I have to change. But I've got a gym in, in my car park. I've made a gym myself. So it's really hard to not go in there. No, I can imagine. <laughs> it's really hard to stay away. What I want to do before we get into it, because I feel like we're going to go straight away, I want you to introduce yourself to everyone that's watching, and our both our audience is going to be connecting. So yeah, I'd love for you to introduce yourself. Okay, so hey everyone, my name is Mika Moore, and I am an Olympic bobsledder and an international Welsh sprinter. Um, so I am a dual athlete. Oh wow! You see, whenever we think about um, bobsledding, everyone automatically always goes to cool runnings. Why is yeah. it bobsleighing? It doesn't seem to be as popular in the UK. And what encouraged you to get into bobsleighing? So I think that it's not as popular in the UK because we just don't have the weather and the facilities for it. Um, so I'm based in Cardiff in Wales, which is quite a small little place and there's nothing to do with bobsleigh here. Um, but I would, when I first started bobsleigh um, and learned about bobsleigh myself, because I really, I was really naive to it. I didn't know much. And, <laughs> you know, like you just said, when someone, if someone mentioned bobsleigh to me, it would have been cool runnings and the lucky yeah. egg and everything like this. So um, when I first learned about bobsleigh, um, I learned that they only train in a facility in Bath and it's based in the university campus there and they have a little push track which is essentially just the start of the bobsleigh run um and it looks if you just turned up there and had a look at it it looks like a roller coaster and you kind of think what the heck like what is going on <laughs> um but it's essentially just so you can practice a push start there there is okay. nowhere in the uk where you can do a full bobsleigh run so um yeah so if you want to do bobsleigh and you're thinking of doing bobsleigh then you have to sort of uh get to grips with the fact that you're going to be leaving the uk to do it um and how i got into bobsleigh is i suppose quite a sad story i guess because um i was doing athletics so i started athletics when i was probably about 15 and although i have this um, with this blessed with this baby face yeah you look I'm 27 <laughs> so uh so I, so i i'd been doing athletics since i was 15 and um i went to the commonwealth games when i was about 20 21 and um i came back from the commonwealth games and went away to arizona for a okay. warm weather camp 
um, and I was, you know, training out there and it was going amazing. I loved it. It was nice and warm. And yeah, the, the athletes there were incredible. There were some Olympic uh, hurdlers there. And in the last week of the training camp, I just came down with this illness. Mm. It was similar to glandular fever and it just wiped me out. Like my whole season was ruined um, and I was just so gutted. And um, I remember my dad is my coach. So I remember sitting down with my dad and sort of saying, I don't want to give up on sport, but this is really tough. I just don't think I can do athletics when I'm in this shape. I mean, I, yeah. I sort of put on a bit of weight and I really couldn't run very far. So um, we sort of moved the goalpost and decided that we would try something different. And it was really bizarre. I had a friend in the team, uh, in the bobsleigh team at the time, who used to be a sprinter. Um, and he just gave me a call and said, look, we're doing trials down at Bobsley. You should just come and have a go and see how it goes. And he kind of put this great positive spin on it, which was, um, you don't run as far at the moment and you've put on a bit of weight. <laughs> so that's perfect. That's, that's a perfect Bobslayer. So uh, I took him up on the offer and went down and it just went really well. And um, it all sort of stemmed from there. So yeah, so I had the trials and maybe two months later was on ice competing for great britain so yeah oh, wow. it was a really quick turnaround <laughs> so you do bobsleigh and what event do you do with athletics so i'm a sprinter a short sprinter okay. so 100 meters 200 meters um i did for a little bit of time have a go at uh, learning the events of heptathlon which is what jessica ennis did um but oh my gosh it's just it's finding the time to do it. I mean, I'm not, when I'm in athletics, I'm not a full-time athlete. I still okay. work, I still, um, yeah, I still have to sort of have that side of my life. So all my training is done outside work hours. So it's just finding the time to do that. that but that must be incredibly difficult because I know a lot of other athletes, they have the funding, they get the money to be able to do it full-time. The fact you work and you train, <laughs> That's incredible. So how do you manage the balance between work and training? I think it's just because I've always had to do it. So, I mean, I have quite a nice job in the sense that it's very flexible. It's not nine to five office space, but it's still, it's still pretty much a nine to five job. I work in um, medical sales. So I still have to, you know, travel around the country doing that. But I think that one of the elements and one of the attributes I have that do make me a good sports person is my time management is on point. <laughs> and I think that also I'm very determined and goal focused. So if I sit down, I have my work goals and they get done in the day. And then I have my training goals and they get done in the evening. And I think that I've always just stuck to that sort of process. And I've been able to be strict on myself that, you know, if I want to achieve something in sport, then you have to put the time in and you have to put that effort in as well. And I think that's so true because it makes me think that, so when I was younger, so I'm 26 and people <laughs> say I look young, so maybe we can have baby faces together. But um, I, I don't think I was always ready for the sacrifice. I remember I played football. I was on trial at clubs like West Ham. I was on trial at like Stevenage. And then I just dropped off. The minute I went to work, I remember I got my first job in Gap. And I said, nah, I don't want to do this anymore. I said, the money's there. But I suppose you've got it into your head that there's delayed gratification, right? And yeah. not everything is instant. So I saw that you created your own home gym. And you've got like one of my most favorite um, apparatuses, the U-Form treadmill. Yeah. So what is it like to be able to have your home gym to say that you can just train at home? Do you know what? That was, that's probably something that I never thought I would be able to have. Um, I mean, I do like to shop. So <laughs> saving for a home gym was a bit hard for me. Yeah. But, uh, but when the period of lockdown happened I think something that I realized at the start of that was that training is so important to me it's something that I've done for 10 plus years I do it every day I have a Sunday off but I think when there was that realization that potentially we would be locked in our own homes for a long period of time yeah um both me and my partner my partner does athletics as well and we sort of just sat there and thought right what do we need to stay sane 
Um, for him, he was like, I'll just get a rowing machine. And he borrowed a rowing machine and that's his thing. He's, he's happy with that. Um, and I said, well, if we're gonna be training from home, I know I need this curve machine because if I'm running on the road, I might, yeah. I might get injuries. Like I, I have very delicate Achilles and things like that. So these are things that I thought about and I was just like, right, what is that one bit of equipment that will really help me right now? So we bought the curve and, um, we were really lucky to get it. Like I searched through eBay and I was really worried about, you know, putting money. It's like, it's a big amount of money. I don't think I've ever spent that much money. Yeah. On thing. Um, and I was really worried that someone was sort of gonna like trick me and this awful machine would turn up. Or, you know, you see those stories of people buying things on eBay and it comes and it's this small. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I've seen those stories. <laughs> so, um, but luckily the, the man was really nice and he, he sorted us out perfectly. So, um, but uh, yeah, it was in our living room for the whole of lockdown. And then throughout the weeks we sort of just thought I thought like this is something that I do want at home I like I think that it works really well I mean we live about 10 minutes from where we would usually train so there's an athletics track about 10 minutes okay. away and that's that's why we live here and we've been based here for so many years but uh when we started training at home we thought this is great I mean we spend so much time training anyway yeah. why not have a base at home as well because if I come home from work late and I can't get to the track then I can just go and do it on the curve in in yeah. a gym so we sort of looked at um putting some stuff in the garden and my dad bless him he came around and he tried to um put a bit of tarpaulin up with my boyfriend and the wind was just taking it and like flying them off into the air <laughs> so they were like okay let's scrap this idea and then I think that I was just I must have been dreaming or in bed sleeping or something and the idea came into my head why don't we just buy a container and put a gym in the container and as crazy as that sounds it's all come together and uh, we now have a home gym which works really well and yeah it's just I think like for us sport is pretty much our life whether yeah. I mean whether we you know make it to the next Commonwealth Games or you know, my partner was to make it to an Olympic team or something. I it wouldn't even matter if we didn't succeed at that. I think that we just love sport so much and like the joy that it brings us to be able to have that home gym environment is just yeah, it's really nice. And speaking about the Commonwealth Games, I know you're an Olympian. So could you tell myself and audience a little bit more about that? Yeah. So. Um... So I went to the Commonwealth Games for Team Wales and that was part of the 4 by 100 metre relay. Um, and when I went to that, like I said, I was maybe 20, 21, I was still in university. And that was like my first major competition. Um, and I just couldn't believe that I'd been selected to be part of that team. It was just so cool. And to this day, even when people sort of ask me what's your favorite sport in memory or your favorite time that you've competed people probably expect it to be the olympics but i most often say the commonwealth because it was a home games it was in glasgow so technically home in britain yeah and um, just any time someone from the the home nation stood on the track the crowd the roar that would happen it was just like nothing you've ever heard it was so loud so I think that that element of it and having like that backing behind you and think you could kind of almost imagine that all those people were cheering for you. Um, I think that that's made that event one of my favorite memories. Um, and I suppose from that moment then, I really wanted to push on and continue being at that high level. Mm. So the aim was to go to the last Commonwealth Games, which is in Gold Coast. And I, I missed out on that qualification um, and I think that's because the same year was the Olympics. So I kind of wanted to do the double, but that would have been quite crazy. Um, so yeah, so I had to sort of pick one and I suppose the Olympics took the, uh, took the win on that one. But yeah, the Olympics is in Pyeongchang. It was equally as amazing, but very cold. Um, <laughs> and I think that that environment although it was really fun and that was my sort of second big stage you know um competition I'd been able to do I think that that one came with a lot more pressure and um 
there was sort of because like you say you know at that time I was a funded athlete and when you're funded there's expectations on what yeah. you do. so I think that that one that one was a bit more uh, and maybe it was just the sport as well it's a scary sport so it was it was it came with a lot more nerves I think and when you think about the environment, so you said that the energy was crazy and you felt everything going on. And then you had the pressure of also being a funded athlete. So now I presume, are you still funded? You're not funded? No, so currently now I'm not funded because I'm not currently part of that bobsleigh setup. So um, after the Olympics, I actually just stepped away from bobsleigh and I thought, well, let me just go back to my roots. I really enjoy athletics. And, you know, like I said, whether I succeed or don't succeed in it, I think it was nice to just step away from that sort of elite sport environment and just think, well, I enjoy running. Let's just go back to training and enjoy it and get my fitness levels back up and, and see where I can get myself with athletics. Because I would really like to compete for Wales again at another Commonwealth Games. Um, so, cause, because again, in four years time, the Winter Olympics and the Commonwealth will clash um, and I'll probably, well, I'll be around 30 years old. So, you know, you're pushing sort of the end of your career. So I sort of had to sort of make that decision and see what, what I could achieve over the next few years. Um, and we'd had quite a stressful year into the Winter Olympics. We did actually, so as we, we were funded athletes, but we lost our, funding into the Olympics so um there was an overspend with British bobsleigh mm. um so there was quite a lot of con controversy controversy <laughs> um uh, before the Olympic Games anyway we had to raise a lot of money so it was a stressful year and a compact um compact season and I just felt like I'd had such a great time and achieved so many great things within those two years in bobsleigh that it was nice to just be able to step away for a moment and think, I just really enjoy sport. So why not just do what you enjoy and train when you want to train and, you know, not have those sort of um, restrictions on me that, that being a funded athlete has. So with the, so you've come away from the funding, you have the freedom that you've wanted again, and you want to hopefully be able to compete to world. And then you also said, you're going to be 30 soon at some point when the next games comes up, which is towards the end of the career. And whenever I think about athletes, you know, a lot of people see the fame, the glory, everything looks good. But I know an athlete's life isn't easy. I know that it's a very short career. It's a lot of intensity. And as you said rightly, there's a lot of pressure. How have you then been able to deal with the pressure? And how do you find, I, get, I suppose, that sense of patience that you have to have when you realise... This is a short career, so I've got to do all I can in a short space of time. Yeah, do you know, that last bit that you said there is something that's probably one of my biggest fears that I try and control. Yeah. Um, that is, that's something that maybe I would tend to panic about, that, oh God, it's all happening so quick and <laughs> I just want to do everything and I want to succeed and I want to do this and I want to do that, but it's just so, I just feel like, hopefully it's not happening too quickly and that yeah. I can achieve everything that I wanted to. Um, I think that how I combat that is by setting goals in place and just realistic goals that allow me to sort of tick off little bits along the way yeah. so that I can say, or that, so that I can talk to myself and say, well, you've achieved this, you've achieved this, so don't panic. You know, you're on route and you're on track to achieving your goal. Um, and I think that having those little realistic goals in place as well also sort of settles those worries because if you don't achieve that big goal then you've achieved mm. so much along the way um i think that yeah i think that that's probably how i do it um and i also think that on a day-to-day -day basis i'm quite a positive person i'm quite a half, uh, glass half full person so i'll always try <laughs> and take the positives out of things yeah and not dwell too much on the negatives. Um, and I think that that's, yeah, I think that that's when I would, how I would like tackle things like that. So when you think about, so as you said, you know, you have your glass half full most of the time. So you're quite positive. And then you understood the pressures that came with athletics, the fears that you also said that previously would have made you panic. 
how do you keep that mindset so strong? Because I crumbled in some parts of my life and we're in very different positions. And I think you're an amazing athlete. Whenever I look at your Instagram videos and you do like um, your leaps, I'm like, wow, listen, I need to step up my game, Sean. <laughs> yeah, how do you have such a strong and positive mindset in the face of adversity and I suppose a constantly changing environment? I think that what you see on social media, obviously, I can select what goes out there. So, But I do genuinely think that I am quite a positive person. I think that I can remain positive in those difficult situations. I think that the way I do it is definitely relying on the team around me. I surround myself with similar thinking people. I surround myself with positive people and people who have uh, big goals in place. Um, I also, you know, my, as I said, my dad is my coach. So I think that that really helps me as a person because I'm an only child. Um, so I probably would find it quite difficult to be coached by someone else. And that's okay. something I've learned over the years. And my dad's coached me now for probably close to 10 years. And I think we just work really well as a team. And he can probably see when I may be um, sort of falling off that positive way of thinking so he can sit down and talk to me and you know I can air my stresses to him and I think that that is a really good way of helping yourself is just by talking about it um, and I think that I'm someone who promotes talking to people about your worries even though people find that quite difficult I think it's a really good way of getting it off your chest um, but I think that yeah I think that he, he, I think that that's something that I found that's worked well for me um, other ways that I remain positive, I mean, I'm a massive Disney fan. <laughs> <laughs> and I think that growing up, like I watched so many of the films, and I just think they've just got some positive, great quotes throughout them. All right, favourite movie, quickly. Oh, favourite what, movie. What's your favourite Disney movie? Oh, that's tough, because it's between, it's between Lilo and Stitch, Pocahontas, Mulan, there's just too many. <laughs> All right, wh wh what is the first movie that comes to your mind that you always will go to when it comes to watching Disney? Okay, so Pocahontas. So you go for Pocahontas, but why Pocahontas? I think that it's just a really good story. I think she's a strong female. Even though yes. she's in love, she's a strong female. She wants her path. And I just love the songs in it as well. I think they're really motivational. So that I, if I can't watch a Disney film and I'm feeling a bit down, I'll put like a Disney soundtrack on and that'll okay. be but um, no, but there's, and I just think there's so many quotes throughout them as well that really mm. like resonate with me. Um, so I know that when I was sort of going through tough times, there's one from Mulan, which is um, a flower that blooms in adversity is the most rare and beautiful of all. Oh. And that's something that I just thought is just, it's just lovely, isn't it? It just that yeah. is. Um, um, even another one from Mulan is, um, no matter how the wind howls, it cannot move the mountain. Um, but one that I've got tattooed on myself is um, only the fearless can be great. And that is yes. one I just came back to. That's from Ratatouille. <laughs> um, but I just kept coming back to that quote when I was really struggling through bobsleigh, especially. Like I say, I'm not positive all the time. Yeah. Um, and there's times when, yeah, so I will sort of utilize the people around me and quotes and motivational talks that really just help get me through those times and make me think mm. about the positive things that are available for me. So I think that that quote definitely um, stemmed with me because that's something that I found difficult in Bobsleigh, that it was mm. a scary sport. Sometimes you can crash. Sometimes you might not be feeling great, but you've still got a slide. And I just had to keep um, securing my number one spot in bobsleigh for a long time. So I found that using that quote, that only the fearless can be great on my trip to the Olympics. Like I would stand at the top of the bobsleigh run and just say that to myself, my little wow. help on, put my visor down and say it. And it would just get me through that moment. So yeah, I think finding something that works for you, whether it be a motivational quote or something someone said to you in the past i think drawing on experiences is a good way of doing it and drawing on your experiences as you said mesh together with your love of disney films and all the quotes that i think it's going to help me to see disney movies in a different way because i think 
when I was younger, I didn't really appreciate Disney films the way I want. I should have. But I think now I'm going to get, what is it, Disney Plus? I'm going to have to go yeah. through a little, I'm going to have to uh, go through a Disney if marathon. You're on, if you're with O2, they're doing Disney Plus free for six months. All so. right. I'm going to have to go through and watch a lot of Disney. <laughs> and you said that your dad has been your coach for 10 years, right? What has it been like having a father who's also your coach? Because I know for some people, they don't want to have the two. They want to have someone outside of, you know, their comfort zone in some sense. But I suppose for you to achieve the heights that you've achieved, your dad has had to be ruthless sometimes on you. Yeah, I think that most people probably wouldn't have a parent as a coach. But I, like I said, for me, it works really well because I think that he knows me better than anyone else apart from my mum, obviously. <laughs> but he knows me better than anyone else. He knows when I'm tired. He knows if I'm upset. Um, I can speak openly and honestly to him. And I think what works really well is that we're quite similar people. Um, so we're both quite laid back. We're both quite down to earth. And I think that we can both accept constructive criticism from each other. So at the end of every season, we have a sit down, we have a chat to each other, what worked, what didn't quite work. And then we move forward from there. Um, I know there are times when he has to give me really horrible sessions and he feels terrible for it. <laughs> um, I don't know how terrible he feels because he still gives me the sessions the next week. But he, um, no, he does say, you know, this one's going to hurt and I'm really sorry for that. Yeah. But, um, but he, you know, he's my dad and he wants the best for me. And I think mm. that that's probably the underlying factor for me, that there is no one out there that wants better for you than your parent yeah. and he will do anything and everything to, to help me succeed so when we sat down and said you know athletics wasn't going quite well at that time let's find a new goal and it was bobsleigh he said i'll learn everything i can and i'll wow. get you an olympic spot so it, for me it was just the, the commitment to me everything he does is for me you know and i think that yeah, there's no one else that I would want to share that journey with, really. That is, it's beautiful, though, because oh. I think parents have such a great influence on children's lives. And we know that. But imagine to have a parent who, you know, will sit down, they study you, they help grow with you in the sense of whatever your passion is. So how important has the relationship between your dad and yourself been to becoming the individual that you are now? And where do you think you would be? if perhaps you had a coach that wasn't your dad? Yeah, well, I think it's just super important. I think that, you know, it hasn't always been perfect. We've had trial and error. And I think that when I first started being coached with him, I was probably maybe 16 or 17. Mm. And, oh, sorry, I was just going into my first year of university. And he must have been really patient with me because I would go for a nap before training and turn up to training late. Sounds I like would, me. Yeah. <laughs> I would, you know, um, sometimes I would just push back against him and say, I don't want to do that session. Um, so yeah, he's had a lot of patience with me, but it's, I suppose it goes both ways. You know, I've had patience with him where sometimes he hasn't, I mean, he's not, um, he's not done athletics in his life. So he really had to learn all about it and speak yeah. to coaches and speak to world-class coaches, speak to local coaches about ways of training a uh, sprinter so i think that you know we've sort of grown on this journey together and yeah things that didn't work we've left them in the past um but you know we're always open i think that's the main thing he's always open to learning from others and you know you can't argue with someone who's going to do that so i think that's that's really worked well and i think it has been really important that he's my coach i think that if i'd had someone else I'm not sure that I'm not sure that it would work as well for me. I think mm. that um yeah, I think I can't imagine being coached by anyone else. I think I wouldn't be as open and honest with them. Um and I'm probably I don't know. I, I once got coached by my uh partner for doing hurdles. He decided to teach me some hurdles. And for some reason, I don't know why, he said I was really uncoachable. So <laughs> 
so um I sacked him as my coach <laughs> oh dear you sacked him but you're still together right yeah <laughs> all right so obviously the bridge hasn't been completely burned <laughs> no not the bridge completely burned no we're so, still together dad has been so such a pivotal figure in your life for coach um for your athletics he's your coach you've grown up to be a strong female athlete you've probably gone on to inspire more women on young girls than you could ever imagine what has it been like to know that you're a role model to other young girls out there who want to get into sport but perhaps feel like that's a boys thing but then they see you and they realize hold up there's a girl doing sport too i can do it too what does it feel like uh, do you know what? That is something that just really like warms my heart to know that if I've helped someone on their journey into sport, because growing up, I have always done sport. My parents, you know, sort of tell funny stories of how I would just sprint around the house and they'd be like, just slow down. You're going to run into something. And I would, <laughs> they'd hear me run upstairs and be like, ow, because I'd run into the door or something going too fast. But I think that all the sports I've done, I mean, I grew up doing gymnastics, hockey, horse riding. I did a bit of everything. Wow. And I think that doing that and then going into secondary school and realising that not that's not what all girls were doing mm. my age was quite sort of confusing to me. And I sort of felt in some at some points in secondary school, I felt like I didn't really fit in with like girls um i probably would have been more suited to just go and play football on the playground with the boys uh so i did find it quite difficult because i just wasn't into like i wasn't into like makeup and doing my hair as much as other girls i still loved it i i mean geez i love doing my hair i love getting glammed up and everything but my heart was with sport yeah um so if i could help another girl not feel like that and not feel like they didn't fit in or feel like they just felt empowered to just go do sport because they like doing it and not care what anyone else thought then that's just something that if that's all I can leave behind then that's great because I wouldn't I just wouldn't want anyone else to feel like they couldn't do sport because of you know because of what people would say I think that if you love something do it don't worry about what what anyone else thinks and um yeah go be strong go lift weights go run fast go jump high everything it's just you know do what you want to do because like i said it's a short career and i just wouldn't want to have any regrets that i didn't do something yes um and i wouldn't want anyone else to feel like that either and i think I spoke to someone recently and um, I always think that athletic women are really attractive because it suggests discipline, attention, time management and so much more. And this idea that a woman shouldn't lift weights or she shouldn't play sports, it's sexist, it's a bit redundant and it's a bit old. It's old fashioned. Like we don't no longer live in those times. You lift weights. <laughs> I've seen you lift weights. And I was speaking to someone recently and um what, someone said something like they don't want to lift too much weights because they don't want to end up too big. And I said, if that's the case, I'd be like Arnold Schwarzenegger now. <laughs> Lifting muscle doesn't happen so quickly. It doesn't happen overnight. So no. have you ever faced a moment where you thought, I don't want to lift any weights anymore. I don't really want to play sport anymore because of other people's opinions. And I know where you are now. What did you do to block out that negativity and to stay on the straight and narrow, which is helped you end up to where you are now yeah so yeah like I've totally had those thoughts and I think that if there's probably so many girls out there who have had those thoughts as well um I mean sometimes I'll still get those thoughts I went out on the weekend and I wore like a nice top and my friend took a picture. <laughs> I was holding my glass my friend took a picture with me and she showed me the picture and I went oh my god my bicep looks massive <laughs> but at the same time I, now, if I'd seen that picture, I don't know, eight years ago, I would have been like, oh my God, delete it. Don't show that to anyone. But now I see that and I'm like, wow, I've worked hard for this. And like, I do like the shape of my body and it allows me to do what I do. I run fast, I lift heavy and powerful. I can, 
out jump my boyfriend like that's cool, to, that, you know, that's cool to me I think that that's really cool I like to be able to be competitive against boys so I think that yes it's okay to have those thoughts but to put them into that perspective is the thing that you need to do um understanding that yes if you I mean it's okay to be muscly it's great to be muscly it shows that you've worked hard it yeah. shows that you're powerful and strong um and I think that Another way that I really tried to get around that, because when I first joined Instagram, I was just following everyone. Oh, you're cool, you're cool, you're cool, you're cool. And if I looked at my following, uh, who I was following, it would probably be a lot of girls that really didn't look like me. They were, and there's nothing wrong with these girls, but they're tall, slender, not too much muscle on them, um, completely opposite to me, who is very short and petite and strong. So uh, what I started doing was, and following those girls, and following girls who looked like me, mm. um, following a lot of girls who lifted heavy, following a lot of girls who were stronger than me, who were who were lifting more than me, who were more powerful than me, um, and changing what I was seeing on a daily basis, yes. and making that the norm. And I think that that really helped me because then I looked at these girls and thought, wow, like I want to be like them. Um, and you know, there's this one uh, girl that I follow, and I actually I'm really bad with pronouncing names from Instagram but I think it's like Auntie K or something like this and she's incredible she you know jumps up jumps up on tires you know jumps over bars jumps oh she's incredible so powerful and she's about I don't want to say her age on Instagram but I think she's over 40 years old oh wow and for me that's just motivation inspiration yeah um, yeah so changing what I was seeing on the daily basis really helped with that because if you're scrolling through Instagram and you're seeing someone who isn't like you mm. your mindset is just always going to be we're, we're, we're all human we all want what we don't have if you have curly hair you want straight hair if you have muscles you don't want muscles it's it's natural so I think that changing up what you see really helps and helps you stay positive and helps you give helps you give yourself self-love as well i think it's really important not to be too hard on yourself absolutely and i think we live in a generation now especially of instagram which is like a highlight reel people see things that they end up comparing themselves to too much so you've done something i think what a lot of people probably should do that you followed people that were in line when were in an alignment with how you wanted to look and they inspired you as well so when it comes to things like lifting weights and running, we know they're quote unquote, not really girly to do. Have you ever had a situation where you've had people say that to you and you've been a bit like, but this is what I want to do. And people still don't understand because when I was young, I remember when Kelly Holmes won, I can't remember what she won at the time. And she had an awards evening. I know Kelly Holmes trap, like her shoulders are, at, like, I wish I could have shoulders like Kelly Holmes. <laughs> My mum was like, oh, that's disgusting. She's way too muscular. Because my mum came from the Caribbean generation where a woman was small, slender, and petite. But my mum's 5'11". So it's quite interesting, right? She's really tall. So yeah, have you ever faced a situation where you're a bit like, people have had to literally be negative to your face? Yeah, you know, it's really sad. But like, I was in a relationship before where like, my ex-partner would say to me, don't talk to me about your lifting because I don't want to know. And for me, that was just horrible to hear because oh. I, I do that all the time. So what are we going to talk about? <laughs> so, um, yeah, you know, I think that if you're in those situations and someone says something that's negative to you, of course they're allowed their opinion. You know, everybody's got an opinion, but it doesn't mean you have to tell somebody. And I think yeah. that something that, me and my boyfriend like to say is if you can't change something about someone in 10 seconds then don't say it to them because it's okay. really not going to be very nice so if someone has big muscles but you're not really that fussed on big muscles don't say to them oh i don't like your big muscles because they can't change it in 10 seconds of course they can't no so just keep it shush um but no i think that i think that if you do get a comment like that then yeah it's fine for someone to have their opinion but if you like your muscles and you've worked hard for them then take it with a pinch of salt and ignore it 
um, I think that that's the best thing to do. And I agree, Kelly Holmes has the best traps, best shoulders. And that's something that I really struggled with growing up was just, but I am strong. I, you know, I have these shoulders and I have these arms and it's just learning to love it. And I think that, you know, no one should be hard on themselves. If, if you do struggle to love it at this moment in time, just wait a few years and it'll, you know, you'll grow into it. You'll, you'll love yourself. Absolutely. And self-love seems to be a huge topic that's happening right now. And I think over the past coming generations, we've realized that self-love is key and it's so important to your day-to-day -day health. How do you as an athlete or just as a female in general practice self-love? Oh, gosh. <laughs> I think that's a tricky one. Um, I think that I just do things that make me feel nice. So it's always, I think it's about just treating yourself, you know. Um, I think that I find ways that I just feel comfortable. So I find hairstyles that make me feel nice. You know, I, I really enjoy doing my hair. I didn't used to wear my hair naturally. Um, so again, similarly, I followed a lot of girls with curly hair on Instagram and I made it a thing that I was seeing these curls all the time. And I thought, wow, their curls are beautiful. I have curls, curls are beautiful. And I would just sort of, you know, talk myself into it. And I think it is about, it is important about talking to yourself. Um, I personally don't do this, but I know a lot of people that will stand in the mirror and tell yourself something you like about yourself. And yes. I think that's, you know, that's some, if that works for you, then do it. Um, I mean, what I will try and not do now is stand in the mirror and tell myself something that I don't like about myself. Cause you can easily do that. You can look in the yeah. mirror and think, oh, that's awful. Oh no, I don't like that. But it's just about learning to look. I think what's important to tell yourself is that you are you and that's what makes you, I mean, I, there's little things, little indiscrepancies that other people wouldn't even notice. Exactly. I've sucked my thumb for my whole life. <laughs> I still do. It's messed up my teeth, but my teeth are my teeth. They make me, and this little list that I have, it makes me, and I'm happy with it now. I can, I can be happy with it and I can love that because there is no one else out there that has teeth like me and talks like me and it makes me individual and it makes me who I am. So I think that it's really important to just say that to yourself, that there's no one out there like you and you're an individual and you know, it's, it's nice to be individual. You don't want to be the same as everyone else. No, it's, and I think, I, I say this to my friends and to anyone around me that if you can accept your flaws, people can't defeat you with your own weaknesses because you already know what makes yeah. you insecure. So if you know who you are, people just can't get to you like that. So it's really nice to hear how you practice self-love and how, for example, as you said, your hair, it became normalized. You realize you had curls. I've been trying to get my mum to show me her curls for years and I saw it once for the first <laughs> time a couple of years ago and I was like, mum, why don't you wear it? Normally she was just like, sure, I don't really like it, it doesn't suit me. But it's harder to change my mum's opinion because, you know, she's from a different generation. So it's so nice to hear that you've walked into a, a generation now that's embracing themselves, number one, and it's allowing themselves to change and everyone else is going to be out there to see it. And I would love to know also, this is a really random question. It's a really light one. If you had a magic wand right now and you had three wishes, what would your three wishes be and why? Oh, gosh. Um, oh, well. Wish number one. I'd probably... They're quite boring ones. I'd probably just wish for sort of good health for everyone, you know, everyone around me. Um, my second wish would definitely be to be able to go to just all expenses paid holiday to Disney. <laughs> Ooh, sounds good. And wish three. Oh, this is tough. Wish three. Mm, I don't know if I could wish for something. Hmm. Oh, that's tough. Maybe just to be able to train whenever I want and yeah. not have to work. <laughs> but you see, and I think people think with athletics that it's just so easy. And I know so many other athletes, they've struggled for funding. And it's really, 
it's good that you've touched on that. Even if it's a wish, I wish the government did more to incentivize young athletes at grassroots levels to just be able to continue to go through with athletics. Have you, so do you go back to your club? Do you train like other young athletes that are also coming up as well? Do you know, that's something that is difficult that, yeah, it's, it's tough, isn't it? You want to be able to say to people, come into this sport, enjoy this sport, but you're not actually going to get a lot out of it because yeah. there's this sport. And I think that we lose a lot of people to sports, especially in Wales, rugby, football. And I think that athletics, you know, you could go to an athletics competition and there'd be a crowd of a maximum of 50 people and that's Ooh. very sad to, it's so sad it's you know it, you want it to be thriving and you want people to want to do it because you it's it's fun um i think that the government could do more to entice people into it and something that i speak i think that i like to use my voice to speak to sort of the governing body of welsh athletics and sort of say that you know, it needs more and you need mm. to use your voice to bring in athletes. Um, I think it's so tough. It is so tough for them to do that because it's just, you know, when they're looking at taking people to Commonwealth Games and they can't even fill a whole team, they can't fill all the events, that's something for me, I want longevity in this sport when yeah. I'm finished. And something that I maybe don't, coach uh young athletes but i do like to do sessions with young athletes so there's a young sprinter called jeremiah azu he's the fastest man in wales oh wow uh, and he is only i think he's 17 years old how fast is he like what does he run um he's run 10 3 wow so for a young kid to be for running a 17 year old that's incredible isn't it yeah so i mean and he is you won't find a nicer young boy than him he's his manners are impeccable he's just lovely and you just want the best for him and for someone like him and the people around his age i think that it's really important that you know people like me who have been in the sport a long time make sure that they stay in the sport and stay on the straight and narrow and stay keep the legacy of the sport because they are the ones who are going to be doing this in 10 years time you'll be speaking to him in 10 years time asking him how he promotes the sport and how he keeps people in the sport and I think that it's really important that they feel comfortable and um, that they could come and ask me any questions that they want to you know if he's on track to go to the Commonwealth Games and he wants to ask me what's it like will I be nervous what's the call room like what's the village like I want him to be able to ask that and not feel nervous um yeah I think that that's important as well I think that for them to have someone to look up to because they might not want to go to the, the big dogs of Welsh athletics and, you know, and ask someone who just sits in an office all day, what the Commonwealth games is like. They need someone who can talk to them on a level and just be honest with them. And I think that, you know, he's, if, if I pick on him individually, but you know, there's so many of them. I see them all down at the track and I try and make sure that I say hi to them and I make sure that I ask them how their session is going because yeah, I want the, I really want this sport to have a legacy and I don't want Welsh athletics to sort of fade out and not have mm. people representing it. So yeah, I do feel, I do feel that that's important. And that says a lot about yourself. I, I remember you said you described yourself as, you know, a bit down to earth, and I would say it seems like you're humble because you still go back to the track. And even those small hello or how you're doing, it does help an athlete or just a young kid in general because someone's asking how they feel and asking about their experience. And as you said, I think someone who's gone to the Commonwealth Games, you'd want to know from them what that experience was like. So that I have to ask you, what was the experience like at the Commonwealth Games? Like what did a normal day look like to you? at the day at the games and that could be from what you ate from what was the experience like to be around surrounded with other athletes as well what was it just all like i'd love to know do you know what i found it all so bizarre because it's like a commonwealth games or even an olympic games they create this village and it really is a village you sort of feel like you've just entered another realm and you're not leaving for the next three weeks so you get comfortable there and it's almost like a new life um 
an average day in the village, you wake up, you probably go and do some training um, in the morning um, because they have usually at these events, they'll have like a sort of time slot for each sport to go and do some training. Okay. Um, they often have a gym in the village, so you can go and use that and utilize that. But then the rest of the day is spent living life like a full-time athlete. You just chill. So whether you go to the games room, because they usually have a games room with, and it's, it's a massive tent full of PlayStations, um, I don't know, foosball, ping pong, whatever you can imagine, they've just got it in this games room. And then you basically, as a sprinter, I had two sort of scenarios here. As a sprinter, I would then go to the food hall and try and not eat everything. But as a bobslayer, I would go to the food hall and get to eat everything. So. Okay. <laughs> so I've had two ends of the spectrum, but everything's free. You can go and get your nails done at a salon. You can get your oh, hair done. It's different life. Yeah, they have a little shop. It's um, it's really strange. It they they create it so that you feel comfortable and homely, and they do a really good job of it. And then I imagine you've, so as you said, it's another realm. So I suppose it's like a bubble of some sorts, right? Yeah. So then you go there, you leave, you come back to the normal world and you're like, oh, I, I missed this world. I was able to do whatever I wanted. I could chill whenever I wanted. So what were the moments like when, let's say if you made it through to a one round or you made it through to another round, but then you didn't make it through to another. And I know with athletics, again, a lot of it is one shot. You have one shot at it. Being a sprinter, you can have a false start that can get you disqualified completely. What are those moments like when you hear the gun go or before that? That must be the most anxious moment because all that hard work goes into those one moments there. What's it like? Yeah, when you're still on the start line, it's a really bizarre sort of feeling. Um, you have these deep-seated nerves, especially for myself. I suppose everyone's individual when it comes down to the start line, but you just have this belly of nerves because, like you say, it's that one moment in time that you've got to prove that all the training you've put into this is working. Yeah. Um, and I think something that my dad has always said to me is when you're on that start line, just think to yourself, think about the processes and let the outcomes take care of themselves. So what he means by that is think about, you know, what we talk about in training. So you drive out your blocks, you relax when you're running, think about those things. Don't think about winning or times or medals or anything like that, because those things just take care of themselves if you get those processes right. So I tend to try and think that on the start line. I think about maybe a few technical things but i don't i try not to overthink it it's a really tricky balance to get um and before i get into the blocks or you know before i would do a bobsleigh run whichever sport i'm doing the last thing i usually think is and i try and think this honestly <laughs> um i usually say to myself and just enjoy it and then just have a little smile and go for it because at the end of the day, why are you doing it if you're not enjoying it? I yes. think that's something that I've learned throughout my whole sporting career that, you know, you can, you can achieve so much or you can achieve so little, but if you're not enjoying it and you're not loving it out there, it's going to be really hard to do that. And I can imagine. And so I know you love training. You love the gym. It's all you talk about, right? So what does the next, 10 years or five years look like for you and what would you love for the future to be able to hold for yourself oh gosh i would i would love 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 to be able to compete for wales on that large stage again at the commonwealth games i think that's a real goal of mine I think that in my head, even if that happens or doesn't happen, I'm not quite done with sport. Yes. Um, like I Powerlifting said, maybe? Weightlifting? <laughs> um, oh, gosh. I don't know. I think that I've got just so many thoughts in my head, you know. I think that I, I love that sort of idea of CrossFit training. I love oh, that. Yeah. But it's very brutal. It's I think, intense. You know, yeah. And I know a lot of CrossFitters and the training sessions that they do, it would really, really take a lot of determination. And I think that would be a real test of my character. Um, 
I think my dad, he's a true Welshman and he would love to probably see me in some rugby kit at some time. So, you know, I maybe possibility of maybe doing some sevens training or something like that. I think that, you know, this, and I think that's what I love about sport, that there is so many sports out there for everyone, for anyone, you know, lots of people say, oh, I'm not a sporty person, but have you tried all these sports? Exactly. So many, you know, you could be a surfer, you could be a skateboarder, you could do chess. I don't know. You could do whatever, rock climbing. There's so many. And I just love that. And I think even within athletics, you've got so many different events. So when people say they're not sporty, they just haven't found the right sport or right training for them yet. And, and that's what I'm excited about. Even when, or if my athletics career ends, there's just endless possibilities to keep training and keep having fun. No, and I can imagine. And I want to know, right? Who is your role model? And it doesn't have to be athletic. I'd love to know who's that one person that you've always looked up to and always been like, I want to be like them, or I would love to be able to achieve the things that they have achieved. Oh, wow. Um, do you know what? Growing up, I honestly didn't have a role model, I don't think. I think that I probably looked up to my parents quite a lot. They, you know, they worked, they still went to the gym. They weren't sporting superstars, but they they kept fit and they were healthy. And I just thought, wow, like my mum's really cool and muscly and she plays tennis and she does everything. So I think I looked up to them growing up. I think as I've gotten older, I look at other athletes and I follow their journeys and I think, wow, like I can take inspiration from them and motivation from them. And one in particular is a lady called Lolo Jones. And okay. she, an American sprint. Well, American, she, yes. Yeah, American sprint hurdler. She is funny, charismatic. She's just lush as well. And I actually really looked up to her because she was an incredible hurdler. She went to the Olympic games and she was dead set to get that gold medal and she fell at the last hurdle oh yes i remember yeah okay oh, yeah. and i just really take so much motivation and inspiration from her because she has not given up on her dreams she wants to get back into the olympic games she wants that medal she's hungry for it but she also which is really weird um took up bobsleigh as well so she's a summer, summer Olympian and a winter Olympian. And I feel like I looked up to her so much and I went on bobsleigh season and I actually saw her sat in the changing room and wow. my heart was like, oh my God, it's Lola Jones. And something that's really nice that has come from bobsleigh is that I'm now actually friends with Lolo. And I was about to ask you, did you <laughs> say hello? Yeah, I went over and I said hi and she's so lovely and I message her sometimes and she messages me and we share stories of training and if it's going well and if it's not going well and how do we get over that and I think that it's a really nice full circle that you know for someone that I've looked up to and still look up to I can now actually talk to and ask questions and you know like I said similarly I mean I'm nowhere near the level that Lolo Jones is but for kids that come from Wales if they want to chat to me about things then they can and that's something that I do with one of my idols. So it's, um, yeah, so I think that she's great. She's, and although she goes through tough times and she shares her tough times, which I think is really nice for people to see. Um, but she is just always so positive and she puts, a, you know, a jokey spin on things. And yeah, she's just a great role model to have. I could imagine. You see, it's interesting when your role models turn out to be your friends or someone that you can text yeah. that tells you a lot as you said about the full circle of what you've done and everything you've achieved and i think you're going to go on to inspire so many other young athletes especially young girls because as i said i saw your page and i can't even remember how i saw your page but i was like i've marveled at it and that's why i had to reach out to you to have this conversation and then hopefully in the future we can be able to do a part two but i have to say a huge thank you for coming on and having this conversation. Oh, that's I can, okay. I can say to my mum, I spoke to an Olympian mum <laughs> and they had big shoulders. There's no such thing as, you know, a woman being too big, a woman being too muscular. I think 
what you're doing. Honestly, I always look forward to when you post. I love um, your recent video where you were bounding with classical music as well. Yes. <laughs> so I definitely, I really appreciate everything you're doing. And I think there's going to be so many people that's going to continue to appreciate it. And can I leave you with the last thing? If there's anything you want to say to the audience watching? Oh my gosh. Um, I think the only thing I can say is if you have a goal, go out there, go for it. Don't leave anything, any stone unturned and be fearless because you can be great. <laughs> Absolutely. Micah, it's been such a, I feel so happy inside because it's just nice to have conversations with people who understand that life isn't always going to be easy, but we never give up. And I think there's so much that I've taken away. Again, I'm going to watch a Disney marathon. Yes. Uh, thanks to you. So I'm going to send you a message. And you've got to send me a few movies. Because I don't think I've seen a lot of Disney movies. A good one is Hercules. I like Hercules too. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah. Hercules. And if you just want like a strong, like, I don't know, black female lead, you've got um, The Princess and the Frog. Oh. I need to watch that. Oh, wow. <laughs> I don't think I've watched that. <laughs> That's a new one. But yeah, and also no. you've got Mulan coming out soon. So oh yes, it is action. coming out. I'm actually looking forward to that. I recently saw Tenant, that was really good, but that's away from Disney. I'd recommend to watch that. Okay, I can but put that on my list if you put some Disney on your list. No, definitely I will. <laughs> Michael, thank you so much that's for okay. having this conversation. And I will be in contact and I'm looking forward to in the future being able to do a part two. Yes, part two. I, Most I, definitely. I so have a lovely <laughs> evening and we'll talk soon. And you. All right, bye. Bye. I hope you've enjoyed this episode and I look forward to having you again. If you've enjoyed, share, subscribe, follow, and make sure everybody gets to have the blessing that is conversations. And remember, Flower Hour is the podcast where conversations blossom.